Welcome to episode six of Hubshots. How are you, Craig? I'm well, and we're recording on Tuesday the 10th of November. And you know what that means, Ian? What does that mean, Craig? It means only two days until I'm going to view Spectre, the new James Bond movie. I'm taking Thursday off and I'm going to watch it and I'm looking forward to it. I'm a big James Bond fan. Very good. Mm. I, I'm actually looking forward to it too, except I'm not not as keen as you are. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. All hey, right. Yeah. Hey, you know what You know what I got wrong last episode? I was talking about emoticons in subject lines. Yes. And they're actually emojis. So that yes. it's, yeah, I know you knew that. I should have known that. But anyway. If, That's um, okay. I think I think when you said that, people understand what you're referring to. So it's yeah. all good. So let's move on. So um, inbound thought of the week. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is an interesting one from you. And I really like this. Um, it was about, from Lisa Turner at HubSpot and it was how to triple your lead flow. So basically she went through and said, look, there are many ways to do this and you can use things like LinkedIn Pulse, LinkedIn Groups, BuzzSumo, blogsearchengine.org. And so you use all these platforms to basically find who the people are that you need to connect with. Right. And it basically helps you perform effective outreach. So it helps you really research, see what they're writing, see who your competitors are, see what's going on. And then the next part is to actually engage with them. So interact, share their content, request a guest blog and really become one of those voices in the industries. But also another really interesting thing which was saying like, have you kind of run a co-run a campaign? So can you partner with them and run a campaign? So one of the reasoning things she was saying was, you know, setting clear expectations, which I thought was really good mm. and getting sign off on the number of leads that, you want to get out of it. So have a clear goal, target in place. Right, yeah. And the other two things I really loved about it, she said have a really clear execution timeline and promotion plan. So document what's going to happen, who's going to do it, when they're going to do it. Cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I've seen HubSpot doing a lot of the whole co-branding piece lately. Very effective. So Yeah, yeah. you know, it's great. I mean, they've been doing one with Twitter. Um and I think that's been fantastic, you know, because it gets, again, it gets people who are interested in Twitter but might not be using HubSpot to actually be able to understand, oh, hang on, I didn't realize that this actually does it. Yeah, very cool. All right. So there we go. So that's the inbound thought of the week and we'll post more to the show notes over there. So now let's talk about the tip of the week. And... Uh, I think you were asking where this HubSpot content calendar was. I know, this, I'm, I'm, I'm putting this under tip of the week because my question was, how do you get to the HubSpot content calendar? And I, I asked you this before because I normally have to go through social inbox and then find it down the left-hand side and that. I'm just kind of like, why, where is it? And then I asked you. And so do you want to explain where how you get and to I the... I said it was uh, on the top bar, just to the right of the search field, a little calendar icon. <laughs> a little calendar icon. I'm just like, oh, my goodness, how have I just not seen that? I, I've been staring at it. So that's why it's tip of the week because if you're like me and you've just missed it, even though it's blatantly obvious, then... This is a great tip for you to get to the content calendar. And if I'm the only person in the world that didn't notice that, well, so be it. But anyway, there you go. And you know one thing, Craig, I think 
um, again, we were talking before. Now I use that calendar to even communicate with clients on tasks that need to be done. So if they need to review some content, I'll stick a task in there for them to get it done. Yeah, right. And we, if we've got any scheduled, we can actually see it on there. So we use it as a bit of content calendar plus task calendar with with people that we work with. Now, I understand for you, use it in a slightly different manner. Do you want to tell me how? Yeah, so basically I, I like looking at it for seeing, um, monitoring our social um, scheduling. And in particular, I like it because it shows whether our social messages are linked to a campaign. And generally we want all our social sharing to be linked to a campaign and it highlights it, nice color coding. So yeah. That's how I use it. And I guess um, how you use it, I guess, makes sense. And that's probably why it's not under the content menu. Like I've always been wondering, I, I think of it as the content calendar. Why isn't it under the content menu? But yeah, you use it for creating tasks and scheduling and stuff. So that totally makes sense. Yeah. So I think, you know, like, and here, here we are, we're both using the same product and using two things very differently. Yeah. So I think I can learn a lot from what you've just said and I'm sure you can learn a lot from yeah. what I've just said too. Yeah, so. exactly. Vice versa. Cool. Yeah. So excellent. So now challenge of the week this week and believe it or not, I don't have a challenge. Well, my our challenge is we don't have a challenge this week. So let's challenge our listeners to actually send us some challenges that they're having that we can discuss and talk through. Yeah, that'd be really cool. So, yes, so please put an inquiry through on the form on the website and um, or tweet us and we will get to that challenge. Looking forward to reading those, yeah. Now, Craig, opinion of the week. Um, this, I believe, is yours, Tech Industry Trends from Business Insider. Yeah, so this is a really interesting uh, slide deck put together by Michael Wolf. He's a, a kind of a well-known business strategist and he's just predicting what's happening in the tech industry. Now, this isn't specific to marketing and it's definitely not related to HubSpot. Uh, but the reason I've just wanted to include it, because I think it's a very useful read for marketing managers about the trends in tech. And in particular, if you start reading through some of the early slides, you just he highlights how much attention... Uh, is being captured by things like messaging and the increase in messaging apps and things like that. And because as marketers, I guess this does relate in some ways because we are competing for attention when we're trying to reach people with content. There's limited attention and almost unlimited content to try and get that attention. So messaging is a key part. So it's it's a just linked there in the show notes. Have a read of that. Uh, but I no, think interesting int- you talk about that, Craig, yeah. because I read something on Simply Measured this week, which was the top 10 social stats for the week. Mm-hmm. And it said instant messaging is more popular than social in the Asia-Pacific region. And this came from a e-consultancy roundup post, right? Right, yeah. And they basically said that in our region, mobile-first markets like APAC, there's a high daily usage of instant messaging, China being 69%, Malaysia 77 and in stark contrast to the UK and the US, which was 39 and 35% respectively. Right. And they said really... Brands that are active in APAC need to find ways to integrate social channels with messaging apps so to become have, relevant uh, and vital. Yeah. So have you seen this in effect? How have, how have you so sort of... I have experienced this indirectly. So one of the people I work with who happens to have a friend who is who's on WeChat, which is the Chinese version of chat, mm-hmm. 
Um, we've actually got two jobs out of that. So someone on WeChat has put a put a message out saying, does anyone know someone who would do any PR or write content for us? Wow. And so we responded to that through through her and we've had the opportunity to do some work. So you know what? It definitely works and I think there's a level of trust on there between people. So we, I tend to find that whatever comes through those channels seem to be pretty qualified and definitely leads to business. So, wow, fascinating. So don't discount it. So, you know, if you're looking into these markets or you know people, you know, tell people that are outside of your circle of influence, tell them that you can do those things because you never know what might come your way. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. So I encourage you to have a look at that. And I think one of the other things that you will find interesting is that, uh, and I don't know that you've seen this on some websites, you can actually leave in like a instant message or a voicemail. Right. No, no, I haven't seen it. Uh, and I've seen this in varying degrees. But, you know, that's again is another avenue and channel for people to leave you a message or get in touch with you if they don't want to fill out a form. Right. Oh, so when you say um, messaging, it's like like those live chat things. Is that what you mean, or it's no, something so, different? So there is live chat, which yeah. is also messaging, but also through um, it's like leaving a voicemail on a website. So you basically like you're talking on the phone, but you talk through the website, and that sends a voice file to the person. Oh, which, really? Very yeah. cool. So there you go. Nice one. All right. Let's move along. Ah, so this is an interesting one, our general tip of the week. So this is kind of a bit thinking outside the box. And so, yeah, I'll hand over to you. I thought this was a really interesting uh, example that you had. Yes. So I'm going to say we're all very focused on what we're doing and we're thinking about all the processes and all the things we need to sort out on a weekly basis. And one thing that I did once was I went, I've got a friend that uh, is a coffee roaster and I went and spent a day with him. I figured out how he tastes the coffee, how he selects the coffee, where the coffee comes from, and what he did. What was his decision process as he went through the day? You know, how did he roast it? So what was he looking for? Even packing the coffee, you know, what are the systems in place? And it really opened my eyes to just a whole other world that's out there that we don't think because we often will, you know, head down to our local coffee shop and we go, yes, I'll have a cappuccino or a latte or whatever it is. But you don't understand the process that someone's got to, to get there. Yeah. And I think if I relate that to content, there's a process we have to go through to get that content somewhere. We don't just click our fingers and it appears, right? But I think take yourself outside of your space and see what other people are doing and gain some inspiration from that for your own self to think, well, you know, I saw that production line of how they were roasting the coffee and how it was getting packed. What in my process can I change or make better? Can I have an automatic packaging machine so I don't have to hand pack everything? So I encourage you to actually think about it and think about what we're doing and see what see what you can change that will make a big difference to you. Yeah, I love this idea. Well, putting aside the fact that I'd just love to go and work in a coffee roasters for a day, I just think that'd be cool as well. I'm assuming you're a coffee, big coffee drinker, are you? Yes, I am. Yes, that makes it even better. And you but, know what, Craig? I think I'll organise that for you one day. All right. <laughs> that'd be great. And then uh, if you could also organise a day in a, a, a single malt scotch um, distillery, that is, that'd be good as well. So we can do that as a follow-up. Big single malt uh, lover as well. But yeah, I really like the idea because just that um, 
just giving your brain, I guess, new pathways to think through just kind of and get creative about stuff and then you come back. And even though you might not apply, apply that specific process back to your company, just the the fact that you've been forced to think another way does yes. open you to new ideas in your own business and things that can improve. So I really like that. Yeah, great tip. So, yeah, do that. And, you know, and I, I guess I'll tie this back at Google when I've been to their offices and I've seen they're really big on spending 20% of time doing something that else that's a project that you might love. Hmm. And as I was walking through the Google office, I actually noticed somebody building a big Star Wars ship in Lego on their desk. <laughs> right? But yeah. again, to me, that was somebody exercising their, their ability to do something constructive in a different manner. And who knows what can be born out of that, but that's helping them be better at what they're doing. So I'm totally for, you know, spending time doing other things that are outside of what we're talking about marketing. i got to be honest with you and say I, I, I think I would struggle if someone was building a Star Wars Lego thing in the office. I'm, I'm probably... <laughs> I'm probably not as optimistic as you. I'd just be thinking, man, that's cool. I wonder, <laughs> wonder if that's actually improved their job, though. <laughs> but I take your point totally. But well, yeah. there you go. Oh, that's All cool. right. State of inbound. So this report that we love so much that we've been talking about and dissecting. Yeah. Um, let's start with, obviously, some of the marketing part of it. So yeah. on page 22. Actually, can I just, should we just explain what it is in case uh, some of our yeah. listeners haven't seen what it is? Go for it. Yeah. So state of inbound, it's an annual report that HubSpot put out and you can go and download it. It's just a PDF. It's 70 or 80 pages at state of inbound. Com. And it's basically uh, the results of sur surveying 4,000-odd marketing professionals around the globe and compiling some of the trends. And each week, yeah, we've been pulling out a little bite from it. So, yeah, what's what's this week's um, marketing tidbit from... So I thought, well, this is on page 22. It said the increase, they were having an increased use of freelancers and outsourcing to create content. So marketing content creation is no longer limited to in-house writers. So what I can tell is that obviously people internally are getting busier or they're finding that they don't have the right people to do it. So they're actually looking outside. So... If we look, freelancers increased by a percentage and they were also doing more content curation. But what really surprised me was executives. Yeah. Did increase from last year to this year. Now, in saying that, I'll use a little example, and this is not purely inbound related, but we did, we've done a lot of public relations over the years. And about a year and a bit ago, we when Yokohama were launching a new tyre with orange oil in it, we actually got in front of the director here in Australia and we actually said, you need to be the face of this, this product launch. Mm. And we wrote some content, which we then distributed to press and various other magazines. The amount of coverage he got from it, because I don't think anyone had ever heard from the guy who runs Yokohama in Australia. Right. Well, it's quite amazing. So people were like, wow. So the managing director of Yokohama in Australia is talking about this tyre. And we put a picture of him 
And so people were really relating to that. And I, and I really loved that because, you know, he was this person that was a bit shy to be out there, but just doing that one bit of content or two bits of content really changed how he felt about what his role was, but also how the market was perceiving the business to be. Mm, yeah, I really like that. That's a that's a really useful example because if you stop and think about how often executives at your company um, have actually been putting themselves out in the spotlight, you actually realize it's pretty, pretty low. So when you hear about examples like that, your, your first reaction might be, yeah, well, of course, I do see CEOs all the time. But actually, when you think about, if I just think about the clients I work with, I don't, I'm just quickly going through in my mind, I don't think any of them have had their CEO out in front doing any kind of content in that regard. It's always been a marketing function. So I think that's a really good example. And I, I guess I'm interested too in how you actually made that happen because as you said, he's a shy uh, person and he's uh, he's probably not used to it. I guess that was a bit of a, a process that you had to work through with him about the benefits and then... Yeah, definitely. So I think one thing we had to convince, obviously, the people in marketing. Mm. So that was the first, first challenge or hurdle to overcome. And then once we actually got in front of him, we actually just kind of made it very informal interview style. Yeah. And, and we basically used that and formulated the content from those key statements that he was talking about. Mm, cool. So oh. we, went away, we went away and did the work. Yeah, nice. But a great way to, great way to do things. And I'll, to tie this into content, again, and I was talking to a client today, is that you don't have to make things hard. Like don't make things hard for yourself. When I was saying, look, get some testimonials for yourself. Look, what are people that you're working with? If, they're too, if it's too hard to do it, just interview them on the phone, write it down and then send them an email saying, here's what we discussed or here's the here's a bit of content, is this okay? Change it if you like or just say okay and send it back to me. Mm, yeah, I like that. Yeah. So there you go. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I guess so coming back to that marketing piece or the, the point that raised that is who writes your marketing content and the trend is that it's there's, well, the majority, more than 50% seems to be um, moving away from internal and it's external, although executives, I guess, are still internal. But yeah, definitely the, it's on the decrease in terms of staff writing the content. They used to write 46%, now it's down to 41%. Uh, and it is moving externally. But yeah, that point about executives, they're now almost 20% of content is being um, written uh, by executives. So that's, that's a really interesting stat, yeah. You know what? I think that uh, over time, all that's going to increase. And I think more people are actually going to do content curation and get better at it. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so the sales challenge. This is putting, yeah. yeah, totally different. Yeah, do you want to talk a bit about that, Craig? Uh, well, I just mentioned what it was. This was on page 65 through to 67 of the report, and it's just talking about what's the number one challenge uh, that sales teams have. And it's, I guess it's when you hear it, it's it makes sense. But if you were to try and think about it without without me telling what it is, what would you say it is? Think about that for a second. The number one challenge is manual data entry. And isn't that crazy? It's kind of like 
manual data entry is the biggest challenge that sales teams have. But this was across the board, really, executives and the sales people in the teams and their managers and that kind of thing. Um, it was kind of common ground. And it's just because they spend so long typing in bits here and trying to find information from other sections and just trying to get data compiled. It just seems really bizarre. But, uh, yeah, what, what were your thoughts around that, Ian? You know what? I think that that's a big challenge, Craig. And I even went into a business today who we're doing some website work for. And I noticed that they had a system and the marketing guy was actually taking the data and putting it into an Excel spreadsheet and using it because that's how he found it easier to go through information. So again, here we're getting this duplication of all this effort going on. And not only that, you know, that's his system. So if he's sick or he leaves tomorrow, there's no consistent effort because no one's going to know that he actually called or emailed somebody, which which what which what he was doing. Um, the guys in sales and service will have no idea that right. he'd done that. Yeah. So I think this is a key point. If if things in a central place, everybody's on the same page, and everybody knows what's going on, then it just makes it really easy for them to then do the rest of the things that they're doing yeah well that's right and we, we won't go into it now but in previous episodes we have discussed all the benefits of a crm and getting a proper process around a crm and how it pulls in other data as well but yeah just really interesting that that is the number one challenge so if you are struggling with that in your own business don't assume that oh this is just specific to you this is a common challenge and this report also then goes into highlighting some of the ways people are overcoming that around better technology and better systems as well. So, And we'll build on those in coming episodes. So, Craig, mm. in saying that, I think it also comes down to people. I think people in the higher level or in the organisation decide on direction and tools, actually saying, look, we're going to go this way and we're going to use this tool. Because I think if you have a system and people are not using it, that's where everything's breaking down, right? So not so you need you need um, management buy-in. Is that what you're alluding to? That they, yes. Yeah. So they've got to be on board. It's yeah, totally. Yeah, they've got to be on board, and I think there's got to be systems in place to manage that. So checks in place or audits in place to make sure things are happening. Because I think I've seen this quite a few times. People start using something. They go, "Oh, that's too hard. I'll go back to the way I was doing it before." not understanding the impact on the business as a whole. They, they, they might be helping themselves, but really on a business perspective, they're actually being a detriment to what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really the key. So yes, it might be hard sometimes, but I think it's to keep, keep the focus and keep, put, a, put a process in place. Exactly. Motivation of the week. HubSpot results. So yeah. since we spoke last time, <laughs> they <laughs> announced their results. Yeah, we won't dwell on this. Just to mention that um, they're growing. So they've now, their total customers, 16,854, which is up 35% from the same time last year. So there you go. HubSpot's growing. Um, That's fantastic. And they're still mm. agile, which, which I love. Yeah, exactly. Not afraid to try new things out. Yep, that's right. So, yeah, that's good. All right, let's finish with our resource of the week. So, 
um, you want to talk about Facebook advertising tips, right? Yeah. There's a really good um, article on Moz, which is a very trusted source for search content. Yeah, and it, it was a good article. Just uh, it wasn't. It's not super in depth. It's not um, super techy or anything. It's just ten things I've learned while learning Facebook ads. So we've got a link in the show notes. Just some really good high-level tips. So I'd recommend if you're getting started with Facebook ads, and really that's where a lot of people are putting um, time and money these days. So you've got to be on there testing it out. Um, this is a good little overview, some really good tips, learn from someone else's mistakes. I always love those when you can learn from others. So, yes, yeah. I really like that. Now, talking about Facebook advertising, a couple of episodes ago, you had a client that actually didn't want to try it out. So you've installed the pixel and you're going to see whether you can build the audience. Yes. How is that going? So that's, it's actually gone well. So what we've uh, done just to recap for people that didn't hear in a previous episode, I was saying a challenge I had with a client was I wanted to do, I wanted to test some Facebook ads with them. And they were like, oh no, we don't want to do anything with Facebook. We don't think that's a channel for us. And I was like, oh, that was my challenge of the week. And so what we did is we just installed the um, tracking pixel so we could build a custom audience. I match people that have been to their website who are also on Facebook. And then based on that audience, we can say, oh, well, actually, there's quite a number that are. And so it's only been a couple of weeks. But, yeah, we've got um, a reasonable sized list. So that, uh, certainly large enough to say, yep, this is worth testing. So we've been able to get to that point without spending a cent, just having the custom web audience growing and highlighting the, I guess, the opportunity there. So, yeah. So, Craig, what's a reasonable list size? Well, that's yeah, that's a good question. I don't know what benchmarks are, but I think if you've got a thousand people in a, a remarketing list or a custom web audience list, that's certainly enough to start testing with. If you're on a uh, just a medium size B two B business, I think a thousand is plenty. Yeah, and is that something over thirty days? Um, yeah, so I, I normally like to build it up over thirty days just to see what what's kind of there. I. I Oh, this is probably going a bit off topic from the point, but I generally have a whole bunch of different lists. I have a one-day list, I have seven-day list and 14 and a 30-day yep. list. But the 30-day list is what I generally use as a benchmark to see whether it's worth doing. So, yeah. No, that's really good. I think that's a great great outcome for you. Yeah. demonstrating that there is an audience there that you can tap into. Yeah, exactly. And I guess the action item for any uh, people listening to this that maybe they have similar challenges internally with their companies where maybe senior management aren't into Facebook and they don't see the benefit, well, here's an easy way. Just set up your custom web audience, see how large your list grows over a month. You don't even have to spend a cent and then you've got real data to take to them and say, look, it's worth testing. So, yeah, give it a go. Absolutely. Well, it's been a great episode, Craig. Yeah, it's been good and um, great to chat with you. And I, as I said at the start, I'm, uh, I'll touch base with you after I've seen James Bond and, uh, yeah, we can trade um, Spectre notes. Maybe maybe you can pick up a tip or two for next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, Craig. Thanks, Ian. Good to speak with you. Bye. See you, mate. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. 
for show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.